Fashion Lab on CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the Fashion Lab show. My name is Lisa Gumba Regisford, and on today's show, our subject matter is around the clothing retail industry. Overview with a very special guest by the name of Regina Gwynn. Now, we live in a time where you can cut your losses into half if you want. So we are the space where you can actually pay attention to kind of what's going on in the market. And that's why we are here to help you get more information about what's happening so you can make better business decisions for your fashion brands. Now, I would presume that all of us know, we all know that the clothing, accessories and footwear industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. If you're thinking of opening a store or thinking of setting up a fashion blog, God knows whatever you're trying to do. I mean, first of all, if I see one more fashion blog, I think I'll officially fall over because there's so many of them. But I have even thought of trying for my brand where I just kind of wear lees, you know, in different angles and then say, click on link and bio <laughs> for dates <laughs> and then sell a million business at the end of the day. I don't know how it works, but I just know that... um Fashion is a big thing. The industry is really booming. The economy is thriving out of it. Um, and I want to go back to what I'm saying. So the clothing retail chain is not a joke. I mean, the larger uh, clothing retailers have an advantage over smaller shops since they get better pricing from suppliers and they obviously also order in large um, quantities. So that means that their profit margin is greater and they can actually offer better retail pricing to their customers. Now, on the other hand, you have smaller retailers who make up for the high pricing they pay uh, for production due to smaller quantities designed with more detail and style. Now, according to an article I came across uh, by Nancy Wanya of Studio D, she says staying on top of the latest styles of clothing, footwear and accessories is key to attracting the apparel hungry shoppers. So you can end up with too much inventory. Then obviously your branding suffers. Another challenge is the abundance of retail shops on the internet since this may lure local shoppers causing you to actually lose revenue. On top of the internet threat, you've also got obviously building and operating a physical location, which is another costly situation. Okay. Then if money is a big concern, she actually suggests that you should just counteract the costs by solely selling via the internet and eliminate the need for a costly storefront and staff. I don't know about that, but before I get lost in this conversation, allow me to share with you my top three tips of how to play in the clothing and retail industry and still win based on my own experiences that sometimes have got me smiling to the bank. So as much as Nancy Diwanya is selling apparel online, uh, you know, insisting that selling apparel online is to avoid storefront and staff costs, I actually think that if you're online, you should set up offline brick and mortar. And then if you're offline, you should actually set up online because Africa wants to go to the mall and shop. I mean, people literally say I'm going shopping and they want to go to a physical location. And if you have the brick and mortar experience set up online, because while I was having a glass of wine with Morag sometime, the world relocated online and you can't just say, oh, well, I've got like 10 different spaces, um, brick and mortar. And so you're cool because then you're really missing out a market. Um, my second uh, points to consider for those who are actually um, growing their fashion businesses is, and this is based on my experience and what's worked for me. 
trade shows, pop-up shops, everything out of the box. I feel like you have an opportunity to attract a consumer cycle you may have never really got to because they don't go shopping away from their suburb or they don't go shopping away from their little, you know, neighborhood. So something different, something new will always bring back uh, different results, I believe. And my last tip um, or my last point of what actually works for me um, and I've experienced and has actually worked is to expand beyond the collection of the season. So I have stockists who sometimes say, oh, I'm not interested in the safari collection or uh, when you find a way. So what I do when they say you're not, they're not interested because sometimes they're interested in the brand, but maybe the collection didn't really have anything. And that's kind of feels like the end of your journey, but it doesn't have to be the end of the journey with them. So once your creativity allows you to produce beyond your collection, you can tap into a market that you would never have tapped into because them not liking your 2016 summer spring is one thing, but those random beautiful simple pieces that you design like i do like 20 pieces of a beautiful shift dress with a blue ribbon then i do another beautiful 10 pieces exclusively a jacket limited edition i call it and they you you actually find that you um you can actually appeal more to uh some sort of um network of buyers or stockists who may have said enough we don't want that collection we'll wait for next year so i hope that this helps you i mean obviously everyone they have different ways of how they run their fashion businesses some of the things that have worked for me may work for you some may not so i'd also encourage you to join us we're on twitter at fashion lab af share with us some of the tips that you've seen are really helping boost your um you know your brand when it comes to uh, pushing it from a retail um, perspective. Now, before we go on to the conversation around clothing, accessories, footwear, I want to introduce some of our contributors on the show. We are going to be joined by Morag Stein, who will be glamming up the show with her glam up for a dose of makeup and beauty tips. We are also joined on the show by Komotsu Madi of Fashion Lab Africa, who will be bringing us the fashion alert with a dose of African fashion news from across the diaspora. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Come Thank on, sir. you, Liz. It's good to be here. Very nice. First time. <laughs> First time. Always behind the scenes. Very so nice. Fine. It's good yeah. to have you. Come on, sir. Could you just share with our listeners what you're wearing? You didn't see that coming, huh? Oh. <laughs> I'm wearing a, I think it's a Native American um, inspired kind of jersey with like tassels, like woolen tassels. And an old blue kind of denim vibe going on. My shirt is not, it's actually not denim, but it looks like denim. And I got it from my grandmother's closet. She got actually. it from her grandma. <laughs> and now, thank you, Komoto. I just want to go, obviously, we're going to also be joined by our New York contributor, Edgy Benson, uh, with his echoes from New York later on the show. And um, just a quick reminder for those who are tuned in, my favorite segment at the end of the show is called Who Would You Want to Dress and Why? So I'd like to encourage you to think about who you want to dress. Sometimes it could be a good reason. Sometimes it could be a bad reason. But we want to have fun with it. Feel free to share with us your who's and your why's. That is our segment that we call the glass of red wine at the end of the show. Keep your tweets coming. Fashion Lab AF. Share your thoughts also around where you see the clothing retail industry especially in africa headed to now we're going to roll over to the fashion alert with komotsu madi welcome to the show again and uh tell us what's going on in the continent okay so african fashion week london so african fashion week london 2016 will be taking place on the 9th to the 10th of september in kensington london the sixth edition of the event features over 60 designers on five catwalks and fashion exhibitions 
Um, they will also hold a debut confer- conference centered around the globalization of African fashion. Topics including the place of African fashion in the global market, youth empowerment through the fashion industry, African garment industry, the use of African artisans, craft in major fashions without giving them credit. Africa Fashion Guide is celebrating their fifth anniversary by hosting the Fashion Africa Conference 2016. This conference will take place on the 8th of September in Richmix, London. The topic of this year's conference is the African market with guest speakers lineup including Andrea Berry from Aberi, African Development Bank, Chaya Chinen of Nothing But Works, and Vlesko to name a few. One of the biggest fashion events on the continent, Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week Spring-Summer 2016, which started yesterday, 10th of August, is still underway and will run through to the 14th of August. And the event will be hosted, well, is hosted at the Nelson Mandela Square, Santon, Johannesburg. And on the catwalk today, you can expect to see philosophy by Jenny Button, Marianne Fassler, Stefania Morland, and NN Vintage. Still on Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week, Johannesburg 2016, AFI presents Couture d'Afrique in association with Puma on Saturday night sees designers from all over the continent being represented. You can expect to see designers from the African diaspora, which include Anne McKeith of Kenya. Okay, so in Nigeria now, Nigeria Student Fashion and Design Week 2016 will be taking place on the 12th to the 13th of August at the University of Lagos. So over 30 talented students from various higher institutions showcasing their work, will be showcasing their work over a period of two days. So this includes exhibitions and entertainment and growing the African market. So now heading over to the Olympics, Nobi Tech, a four-month-old startup founded by 33-year-old Ben Wood, has launched a Zika-proof fitness apparel line in time for the 2016 Summer Olympics in Rio de Janeiro. Zika disease, which is commonly found in Africa, has now taken over Brazil and with last year, over 165,000 cases have been reported in Brazil. This caused a bit of a stir, thinking with athletes and people attending having a bit of a havoc going on. So now, with this new technology, everyone would feel safe and protected throughout this event. So now, in Ghana, on a lighter note, Team Ghana's costume for the Rio Olympics opening ceremony caused quite an exciting stir on the internet. Their bold, beautiful costumes were among the favorites among exhibition watches, the ceremony watches. Many people felt Ghana really was represented beautifully and captured the whole culture. And this is where we end fashion news this week. Tune in next week, same time, same place, and stay informed on the latest newsmaking headlines in the fashion industry. Thank, Thank you, you Komatsu. Thank you. Now, um, we are definitely, uh, gosh, have so much fashion news. I know that the Mercedes-Benz is definitely going down. Yeah, it's going down currently. Um, currently, and we're going to be talking about talking to some people and staff and engaging them um, 
within the next uh, week or so. So keep it locked. Um, at this moment, I'm going to be uh, about to introduce our special guest on today's show, who will be will be talking to while sharing insights around an overview of the retail industry um, industry so far. Um, she goes by the name of Regina Gwynn. She started her career in the product development executive training program at Federated Department Stores, which is now called Macy's Inc., and successfully has launched three private label brands during her tenure, which is INC, which is International Concepts for Men, Material London Tailored Clothing, and American Rag C, whose original marketing strategies are still in place almost 10 years later. Wow. Now, besides sitting on the board of directors for Bragg, a nonprofit for diverse retail professionals, she's also the co-founder and CEO of Trésenoir, an at-home beauty booking app designed for women of color. I would like to um, welcome her onto the show. Um, now, before we do that, um, it would be just interesting um, to also just kind of maybe pick your mind, um, Komotsu, on some of the, you know, kind of where you see your uh, young, thriving fashion graduate living in South Africa. Um, and uh, it'd be nice to kind of get your insight before we plug Regina in on where you see the clothing retail industry going to. And this is just a quick, you know, just your, your thoughts. It's nice. You've only got in, you've only arrived into the industry now. And obviously you're seeing a lot of changes are happening. What are your thoughts? I mean, where do you think we're going? I think definitely people and like fashion buyers and fashion lovers are definitely staring away from mass production. If you really truly care about fashion lately, people now prefer to go shop at like Maboning Precinct, at, um, what do you call these places at Bramfontein rather than going to malls? There's a shift away from the mall life, which I think would be very interesting and is very interesting considering how South Africans in general and Africans in general just prefer like a closed in shop space. So now with, um, fashion market events such as the neighbor goods market and um, the arts on main market and now the social market in Pretoria, like people are moving into exploring different types of retail feelings where it's a collaboration of lifestyle from your clothing to food at one place where you get to shop and eat and be entertained in one simple space. So the whole going into a store and swiping for stuff is really... Not Komoto you know? style. Komoto, you know, I'm going to just <laughs> put a pause on that. We're going to continue this conversation. But I want to um, introduce, uh, reintroduce Regina and welcome her to the show. Regina, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? I am good. Yeah, so now let's start with a more kind of in-depth introduction of you and your journey, which has not deviated away from retail for all these years, which is a good thing. Could you just take us through... Uh, everything from just like you're starting with the product development executive training program at sure. what is now Macy's to the private label brands you're working with to Treze Noir. Let's just go through a quick um, snap uh, view of, the, of your journey. 
Great. Um, so I started my career at Macy's Inc. Um, and it was federated department stores at the time. Um, graduated from Rutgers University in New Jersey and started their um, Macy's internship program, actually. So um, when I was in college, I started um, with their merchandise in their merchandising team, working on product development for um, the Charter Club brand. And so um, private label brands are something that have really come on strong within the department store space, brands that are developed, designed, marketed, and merchandised um, in-house. And they are a part of the exclusive offerings for that particular department store. So Macy's does this, Lord & Taylor, Saks, Bloomingdale's, everyone has really grown the private label business over the past uh, 10, 15 years. And so I started in the... Um, in merchandising, um, graduated and started directly into their executive development program, as you mentioned. Um, spent about three years in product development, really getting my feet wet and understanding retail 101. Um, how does, how are products mixed by price, color, silhouette, trend, and style? Um, and then decided to move into the marketing department. Really love the idea of working with brands from a consumer perspective mm -hmm. and understanding how that merchandising mix um, can be influenced by um, advertising and social media and branding and, and spokespeople and magazines. Um, so uh, transitioned into the onto the marketing team for menswear brands and had an opportunity to launch um, Inc. International Concepts for Men in 2003 uh, and an American Rag, which is a juniors and young men's brand in 2005. So um, got a great, uh, really great foundational understanding of retail at Macy's before um, going to business school. Um, I got an MBA at Northwestern at the Kellogg School out in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, did some management consulting for media, beauty, and retail brands before coming back into the uh, private label space um, in, I don't know, 2010, somewhere in there, um, and then headed up the marketing department of another private label company that develops uh, women's wear for Nordstrom, uh, Bloomingdale's, Chico's, Talbot's, Coldwater Creek, um, really focusing on their non-iron uh, dress shirt program. Um, for both men's and women's, also work with Brooks Brothers. And then most recently, um, decided to st take a stab at entrepreneurship. So um, I recently launched a brand called Tress Noir, and it is an online beauty booking app for women of color. And we provide on-demand, on-location hair and makeup. Um, so anywhere you need a glam squad, we are there. Uh, <laughs> we come to your house. We come to your hotel. We come to your office. We're a completely mobile traveling salon. And you can book directly through our platform at trustnoir.com. So, wow. Now I want to just go back into something. So I want to just go back to touch on your work with some of these brands. Now, because of the fact, sure. fact that we were living in such a fast moving time when everything's yes. moving so quick and we have to keep adapting, keep staying on our toes, on our heels. How is yes. it that your original marketing strat strategies are still in place almost 10 years later for some of these brands you've been working with? What are, what are we not doing or what are you doing that we could actually learn from? I mean, sure. So I think um, when we particularly American Rag is a, is a juniors brand um, at Macy's and we spent months thinking about and researching and analyzing the data around our, our young millennial customers. And I think the thing that we found consistently, what was the kind of core tenets of their lifestyle, their culture, 
um, you know, what they resonated with was music. And so, um, you know, we made a decision very early on to make a long term investment in, uh, in, in creating a campaign that involved music, whether it was, um, sponsoring Lollapalooza or whether it was finding, um, up and coming indie artists to be a part of our photo shoot campaigns, whether it was uh, sponsoring one artist during the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I mean, um, really thinking about your customer and understanding where, how is she buying and how is she influenced to buy, I think is really important. So um, music is one of those evergreen, ev- you know, um, always it's always around it's always it's all, around. It's something that you resonate with all the time you love it you hate it um that- but it's it's something that's always with you so i think you know the more i think about brands today and how they can become more how they can stand out mm. um i think it's about making a commitment up front and being able to just to stand by your decision to go with, you know, with with whatever that strategy is and really just go hard. I think a lot of times there's a lot of, um, you know, you may you, you want to try this, that popcorn. you want to try lots of different things as <laughs> yeah. opposed to just committing to one. Yes, I call it popcorn. You know, um, Regina, what's happening yes. is we're not even getting I feel like we're not even getting a chance anymore to experience fashion. You know, right. so it comes I so agree. quick and I want us to continue into the next step. First of all, I say I want to just say very honestly that I wish I was around during the time you were working with those campaigns because then we would mm-hmm. mix Lisa's music with all of these things. And then I would just flourish and I would just shine and we could just blossom and grow <laughs> together. That is my wish. But then on the flip side, and I love that because it's the association with timeless um, sort of right. um, concepts or things yes. that will will keep the brand going because I'm thinking, how are you still running the same strategies 10 years later with the time changing so quick? Like right. it's not even funny. Now I want to pick yeah. your mind on um, fast fashion. I mean, obviously sure. for a while it sounded like the best thing that could happen to the industry. And I think from right. a brand or fashion designer perspective, because I thought this was the way we would keep smiling to the bank again. However, mm-hmm. for Africa, I also think it's something that majority are still trying to accomplish because it looks appetizing, but mm-hmm. production is obviously the biggest nightmare. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts generally on fast fashion? So I think that fast fashion ha- has had its time. Um, I think that there are there will always be a core segment of people that want something quick, that want something trendy. But I think fast fashion grew because the idea of fast fashion was in fact trendy. Hmm. So the the idea of it has lost a little bit of its um, cachet. And I think more and more people are coming back to individuality. Mm-hmm. They're coming back to wanting to look unique. Um, this millennial eight, this, you know, this, this group wants to feel independent. They want to feel different. And fast fashion also came off of the heels of Gap and Abercrombie and Hollister, where everyone looked the same. Everyone wanted the exact same outfit. Everyone wanted to, to, to drink the same Kool-Aid. And so we're now coming into an age where that's not the case. And so when you combine that need for individuality and, you know, the, and, and all these stores that are ubiquitous, right? There's, mm. there's three H&Ms on the same, within three blocks of each other in New York. Mm. So, you know, you, you, you're ending up seeing the same clothes with this on the same people at the same time. 
Um, I think that there, there, there's just, there's a lack of, of individuality there. And so, um, I, I do see, more, you know, I do see that there's, that the collaborations will still continue. I think it's a miss that, that Target has, has stepped away from their designer collections, their designer collaborations with Isaac Mizrahi and Missoni and, um, um, oh shoot. Oh goodness. I forgot the one. Oh, um, oh, I forgot the one that I loved. We'll get, um, we'll they, get, they had like amazing collaborations. And I think that, you know, people want, things like that um, to, to continue. And, you know, we'll see who can pick up where, where Target left off. Hmm. Now, I know it may be different in the U.S. market compared to the African market, especially when it comes to consumerships and how brands trade. But the difference mm-hmm. is obviously also not too big because we're, as we get deeper and deeper into globalization, everything becomes almost one thing and one way. What, mm-hmm. what would you say makes better sense in the world we are living in today, especially for brands who are looking for retail outlets, just to make business sense out of their brands? Would you say uh, stay more online or stay, for, uh, stay uh, on brick and mortar or do both? Or uh, what, what is your advice or your feedback when it comes to where brands should really be moving towards at this point from sure. a retail perspective? Online, definitely. Um, definitely focusing on creating a brand and telling a story online. A, you get, you have complete autonomy, right? You don't have to worry about, um, location impacting your sales. You don't have to worry about, um, the size of a store impacting your sales. You can have as big or as small of a, of an, of an e-shop as you like. Mm. So, and and still create the impact. Exactly. I think, again, because because it's about telling the story. If you tell the story well online, I mean, there are brands that don't have any physical store, mm. but yet have a bigger branding presence than you can imagine. I mean, Warby Parker started off completely online before they opened their first store, mm. as did Bonobos, as did Everlane, as did, um, shoot, as did, oh, goodness gracious, um, several brands. Um, So I do think that online is absolutely the way to go. Having beautiful um, imagery, telling a compelling story allows you to have, like I said, complete autonomy and allows you to divert resources towards building your team, towards building your technology, towards building the infrastructure that's needed to actually deliver the goods. So if you're going to spend money on anything, that's where you should be spending money, not on spend, not on a a rental space, not on fixtures and, um, um, (laughs) you know, four ways and cash registers. Um, Definitely believe in online, particularly um, within for for up and coming designers. Very nice. Now, I want to go on a beauty note. I want to like flip this back to the beauty talk. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Tres Noir and what you're doing. So what what makes Tres Noir and what you're doing so different? or what does set yeah. it apart from, I mean, there's so many people who claim to offer similar services. Let's talk about Tres Noir sure. and what you're doing to really pull yourselves out um, in a really different um, way with a different angle and a different offering. Great. So um, here in the U.S., there have been lots of new styling concepts that have come onto the market. There's um, a company called Drybar. It's a $100 million company uh, based in California. They they solely do blowouts. You come in, you'd get a blowout in 40 minutes flat. They give you a glass of champagne. You know, it's 50 bucks and you're in and out the door. 
Um, and then there's another, there's another brand. Uh, there's some other beauty booking apps that promise kind of similar results. Um, but unfortunately, the types of stylists and the infrastructure that is put around this, this, this blow bar, dry bar, glam squad concept is not conducive for women with textured hair. So I need more than a round brush and a blow dryer to, in fact, style my hair. And I wanted to have the same type of easy, convenient styling options as everyone else. So uh, my business partner and I have had such frustrating experiences in black hair salons. Um, you, you get there at nine o'clock. Uh, the stylist is late. You, you don't get in the chair until a quarter to 10. You, uh, you were waiting on the one good hair dryer that works in the back. Uh, you don't have the product that you need. It's like 1230. You got there at nine. You just wanted to blow out and you don't leave until like three o'clock in the afternoon. That's ridiculous. Wow. It is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. For busy, time starved, super, you know, just on the go women. And so this is really where we said, we've got to make a change. We've got to offer something new. And so Tress Noir kind of picks up um, where Glam Squad leaves off by providing a network of stylists that are uh, textured hair experts and also provides education. So I think the thing that we really think we pride ourselves on being different is that all of our clients get actual education um, around their hair. What are their hair care goals? How should they be thinking about cleansing, shampooing, conditioning, um, you know, maintaining the health of their hair on top of the styling? So um, <clears throat> that's just a, a commitment that we have to empower all of all women of all textures to make sure that they can, <clears throat> excuse me, that they can look great whenever and wherever they want. Wow. I really love what you're doing. Congratulations on all of your Thank achievements, you. um, Regina. And we look forward to seeing you next month. You know how and when. Um, yes. And I'd like to just kind of get uh, a parting shot from you and just also how our listeners can also connect with you. Sure. Um, you can uh, visit Tress Noir, T-R-E-S-S-E-N-O-I-R-E.com. And you can reach me at info at TressNoir.com. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Same word, Tress Noir, T-R-E-S-S-E-N-O-I-R-E.com. For all of those, all, those are all of our social media handles. Thank you so much for joining us on the show and your parting shot to brands that are coming up, brands that are looking to re-strategize to be able to make business sense. What would be sure. your parting shot? So in order to be competitive in today's landscape, fashion and retail brands must embrace media. They must embrace digital, a digital first marketing strategy. Um, be on the cutting edge of all new social media technologies, as well as marketing and marketing automation technologies, and tell a good story. Has to be compelling, has to be differentiated through visuals and through text. Wow. Thank you so much for joining us, Regina. Yeah. Have a, a lovely day um, on, in your city, and we'll look forward to seeing you soon. Good luck with everything that you're doing. Awesome, Liz. Take care. We'll be right back after the break. Thank you. This is cliffcentral.com. I am a South African. I carry the hopes and dreams of my country and the generations to come. I know that it's not where I come from, but where I'm going to that really matters. At Sibanye, we believe the future of our country will be defined by our actions today. 
which is why we are committed to the development of our leaders. Sibanye, we are one. Visit us on sibanyegold.co.za. Download the Cliff Central app, available now on the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Fashion Lab on cliffcentral.com. That was our conversation with Regina Gwynn, who started her career in the product development executive training program at Federated Department Stores, which is now Macy's Inc., and successfully launched three private label brands. And she's obviously doing her thing with uh, her new brand, which is also called Très Noir. And I just think it's interesting and it's nice to have these conversations with different um, industry professionals who've actually made successful um, steps throughout the journey. And we are sure that we can pick or learn something out of that. Anyway, before we roll over to Edgy Benson, here's a quick overview on, on where fast fashion retailing is and headed to, according to Minute MBA by OnlineMBA.com. Stores like H&M, Zara, and Forever 21 are perfect examples of fast fashion. Cheap clothes that bring catwalk styles to the public in a matter of weeks. Zara employs a large team of fashion designers and churns out 10,000 new pieces each year, compared to a boutique luxury designer that might oversee production of just 50 to 100 pieces per year. Some fashion moguls embrace the trend, such as Proenza Schooler, who became well-known after developing an inexpensive line for Target. But not everyone is so keen. Here are some of the ways fast fashion is impacting the marketplace. Excess. Not all designers are anti-fast fashion, but many agree it's led to a lack of authenticity in new clothing lines and a lack of quality in production. Even CEO of fast fashion top shop Sir Philip Green says designers and consumers should stop the rapid production and pause for a breath now and then so fashion has a chance to become more timeless and less in one month and out the other. (sighs) The environment. The fashion industry produces 2 million tons of waste each year, 2.1 million tons of CO2, and 70 million tons of water. Fast fashion and the rapid clothing consumption cause these ballooning waste amounts. And most fashion purchases, 2 million tons annually, wind up in the trash within a year or two because they are too low quality to last any longer. A changing trend. After two decades of fast fashion popularity, many designers are signing on to make a change. 300 retailers have signed up to be part of the Sustainable Clothing Action Plan, which includes producing, selling, and disposing of waste without damaging the environment, and only working with countries with strict labor fairness regulations. That is MBA, and I agree with them because seriously, how do we experience fashion anymore? Anyway, rolling over to Echoes from New York with Edgy Benson. Edgy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Liz. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. And yourself? Very good. What Very are, good. And what are you wearing this beautiful morning in New York? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not pretending this. I'm not, um, I'm not being creative. Uh, jeans and a t-shirt. Again. <laughs> I asked you to be creative, but then, however, I'm just going to continue our conversation and just go straight into your echoes from New York at this point. Um, what are your thoughts, Edgy? Now, obviously, um, I don't know if you also tuned into um, the conversation yeah, with I, Regina. I was listening. Yes. Uh, what are your thoughts around around the current state of the matter when it comes to the retail industry? And I know as I as I as as I speak about this, I know that obviously it is also a, a bit different in Africa than it is in the U.S. Uh, but there are certain things that we can definitely talk about generally. So what what's your what are your thoughts? What are your echoes? I mean, 
retail generally has become so dynamic. For me as a manufacturer, because my company now diversified into licensing, retail has become very important for me because we have our own brands and we are working with retail very closely. And you can see that, you know, as retail is moving away, in a, in, here in the U.S. and in, in most of the West, because of technology, retail is moving far, a little bit away from the brick and mortar store and more into like curated online uh, experiences for the customer. It, it means that to be successful at retail, it, it's not about fast fashion anymore. It's going back to p- being an individual. But how do you give the consumer and it be, how do you make him feel like an individual while still giving him something at value that is not too expensive? Mm. See, that's the, fo- that's the focus of retail now. Mm. So it's about like just uh, the product itself has to be strong. And then the delivery, the delivery channels have to be uh, very accessible, which means that you, you're going to have to be very strong online. You know, that, that's the, the, that's the challenge. And not just the. And the price points also have to be still reasonable. So that even though I'm getting something unique and fresh and getting it in a very convenient way, I'm still not losing, you know, not robbing the bank, right? No, you're not robbing the bank. You focus. Now the focus is so on the individual away from. So you could say that the market used to be consumer, consumer driven, you know. Market driven, but it's not anymore. It's more like customer driven. The customer being like that individual customer, that individual person you sell to or you think about or address with your product. Mm. You know, that's where the, the, that's where retail is more, is focused on now. So it's more curated, mm. you know, um, and that means that if you understand the customer, it means that you actually have to give them a product that identifies with your understanding of them, you know, mm. you know, so that's where retail is going more personal. Uh, it means that you, you, you're very active on, on, on social media, very active online. Um, so I think that's, I don't know if that's really a different, I think the desires are the same, both in Africa and, and, and out here. Mm. It's just that out here, there's more access because, you know, the infrastructure exists, you know? Mm. But I think, I think the demands, I mean, the desires for the customer are the same. Everybody at some point wants to just be a couch potato and, you know, be able to pick up a product without, having to come to your store, you know, they want you to understand them fairly so that when they come to your website, you know, they know what they're getting, you know? Mm. And, you know, I, I think that's, that's where, that's where retail, you know, and it's not just like one channel of looking at it. it there's, there's so much, so many channels, like you have to aggregate all your channels, you know, like whether it's Snapchat or Instagram or you have to monetize them all, but to monetize them, of course, you have to make them appealing enough and you have to make them very customer driven, you know. Um, and do you see, Edgy, obviously, as you work in this industry and as you obviously run a services, um, fashion services company in New York, sourcing services to some of these big brands and fashion houses, have you also seen them adapt through these times? Are you seeing them moving into a different way when it comes to um, the retail, um, you know, side of life. Are they kind of uh, becoming a bit more of, yes, we have this shop here, but here are some customized pieces or here is a customized experience. What are you seeing with the trends? I mean, you've been working with these brands for years and obviously as time goes by, I'm sure they have to change and adapt to to, to, to time. What's happening? the, the, The change is huge. 
one of the biggest changes that you see it so visibly is before the designers depended so much on the stores, you know, mm -hmm. because the channels through which they can reach the customer is the store. But now the customer can actually bypass the store direct to the cons direct to the designer. So designers are opening their channels. They are able to stream their shows, you know, live to their to their customers. They can send you an email that says my show is happening on this day and this is the streaming link. You know, they're doing so much mm. to reach to the to reach the consumer directly and to make the consumer feel like it's everything is targeted at them. You know. So they are changing a lot. They're not focusing on the store as their only way to, to sell. They are focusing on the individual as their way, as a way of selling direct to the individual, you know, while not bypassing the stores because the stores themselves are adapting also. They're going online. They're, they're going more direct to, cons to the consumer. But the designer is doing a lot too. They are getting a lot of independence, becoming very autonomous like, like Regina was saying. Wow. Edgy, you know what? Thank you very much for your contribution today. Um, we love your echoes from New York. And uh, any parting shots to brands that are coming up and brands that are still trying to figure out which way to go as times change so fast? Just embrace online. I know we don't have a lot of resources in Africa, but embrace the idea of being online. Whatever resources online are valuable where you are, embrace them. Instagram, fast, uh, Snapchat. But embrace them from a marketing point to reach your customer. It's very important. They're just not for fun. Okay. Well, Edgy, thank you so much for those tips. We are going to uh, be rolling over to Morag Stein, who is an internationally accredited beauty consultant and makeup artist coming to us, obviously, um, live and direct with her Glam Up series. And uh, we're going to be... Just plugging into her so she can give us some tips and doses. You wanna take you wanna begin the intro, Edgy, on that one as we plug her in. <laughs> Morag. <laughs> well, and any now. yeah, actually Morag. the question to ask you is the are there any tips so far that you've been able to apply to yourself? Um to your you know, based on Morag's tips, she's got really interesting um tips. Um she's got interesting conversations around how to be and what to do and you know have you adapted or acquired anything <laughs> i groom well <laughs> i try to groom better <laughs> <laughs> so what you were not grooming better before her before her the before the glam up i was but sometimes i let it go <laughs> Well, I, I, I can tell you one thing I learned, uh, already from Morag was the whole coconut, the coconut cream and, uh, so coconut oil and bicarbonate soda. Yeah. Coconut oil and bicarbonate soda. But anyway, um, we are, um, plugging in Morag. Morag, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Liz. And you, we were just talking about some of the tips uh, we've been able to learn or acquire from your Glam Up um, series. Um, Thank you. Thank you. I've actually been tuning in. The, today's show has been amazing. Um, I wish I was there um, live. And Regina's absolutely amazing with what she's doing in the industry. Yes, definitely. So Edgy has learned how to clean up better. And I have learned the coconut oil and bicarbonate soda trick, which helps my face stay a bit softer when it starts getting rough. But we are rolling over to you. Welcome with your Glam Up series once again. Thank you so much. Let's just go straight into it. Um, lipstick color of the week this week is an absolutely beautiful Dolce & Gabbana 
um, you know, lipstick. The name is called Tease and it's from, it's the number is 215. It's really moisturizing, vibrant, and the color is so delicate and beautiful. It's like a rose coral. And of course, the packaging is gold, as all our Dalsin Gabbana lipsticks. And I just want to add in that um, happy Women's Day or Women's Week to all those women out there. And that's why I've chosen this color, because it's just such a beautiful, passionate and empowering feminine color for the week. Um, I'm actually wearing it now, and it's just so beautiful. Um, and that retails at about $35, um, and it is available online. I actually bought mine online as it's not available, um, you know, in, in Johannesburg, in South Africa. And, um, yeah, that's, that's that. And then I just want to talk about um, beauty, you know, in general, the going into edible beauty. Wow, edible beauty. Edible beauty. Are we, are we um, going so to have it for lunch? Okay, let's let you. Okay, let me leave you to do what so you So the do. edible beauty, what I'm talking about, um, you know, these are all things that are trending in the industry at the moment. Um, and we're talking about um, because products have become so chemical and, you know, almost technology has taken over to a point where you're actually harming your skin. So a lot of consumers are actually looking at plant-based product, um, wellness drinks, you know, things like egg white facials, those kind of things. Um, I know Lush has an amazing chocolate facial um, that is real cacao powder that you mix into a facial, and it's amazing. Um, and also what's trending at the moment, even on the runways, um, you know, we're seeing it now again with Africa Fashion Week, is that the makeup is really clean. Your favorite, Liz, the no makeup look, you know. <laughs> the no makeup look with makeup on. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so it's called, um, we call this immaculate perfection and it's really starting from the inside. So like things like antioxidant waters, smell resistant socks, um, you know, natural salted, um, based, you know, um, sweat roll on sprays. Um, and then also another thing that I found was interesting is portable collagen. Um, so instead of, you know, injecting and doing your skin peels and everything, there's actually um, developments of wrinkle-reducing drinks um, and multivitamin collagen drinks. I mean, how crazy is that? So wow. you're literally starting to, you know, um, stop or pre preserve your age from the inside. Um, mm. And then also um, preventative styling, which I think is something that, women are really taking to, and that's actually, you know, for instance, like hair styling products. Um, okay, I'm using this, you know, uh, hairspray or this serum or, you know, whatever it might be on my hair, but what is it actually doing for my hair? Is it promoting scalp um, nourishment? Is it promoting hair growth? So people are becoming a lot more conscious of what they're putting on their, their skin or on their body or, you know, even on their hair. Um, and then also things like nutrient cleansers, which um, is actually coming from Korea, where um, seaweed is now actually being used as a cleanser. So pure seaweed, um, you know, where they're saying, okay, you're cleansing your face with soap, but it's actually stripping the acid layer off your skin. Um, and then also things just going back to, um, you know, what Edgy and um, Regina were saying is things like, People don't necessarily want to go into the store anymore and shop. And things like virtual dermatology and virtual makeup apps on social media um, are actually a huge trend at the moment. Um, 
L'Oreal actually has one. Um, it's called the Makeup Genius app. And they also, um, you know, they give expert opinions on how to actually apply your own makeup. The only problem is that I don't know how well it's going to turn out because I tell you, I've seen some of my clients put on their own makeup and I'm not sure if I'm 100% confident. Oh, wow. But, um, yeah, so, they, you know, I think people are just really tapping into like – becoming aware of what's out there and they're just you know as consumers becoming so more like diligent and conscious of what they're actually you know consuming eating what they're doing what they're putting on their skin what they're wearing etc etc um and then another thing that i just want to add so um seeing that it's women's week and we you know we're all doing these trending things and amazing things i just want to encourage um everyone to join the butterfly revolution there's more on it on my social media pages and you can follow me on social media on all platforms at moragstein that's m o r a g s t e y n and that's all from me everyone Thank you. Oh. Thank you for that glam up. Serious, before you guys get off the phone, we're going to give our, unfortunately, give our beautiful um, w- glass of wine a, a minute. So for those who are tuned in now, glass of wine just means who would you want to dress and why? Uh, we're going to start with Morag. Who would you want to dress and why this week? So I actually, um, I think my dad heard my show um, where I said I wanted to dress him. And today I actually have the opportunity to dress him. So I'm really excited. There's no one else I want to dress today besides my dad and my dreams come true. So he will be trending on the red carpet with me tonight. Wow. Yay. Nice. <laughs> and Edgy, who would you want to dress and why besides yourself? Sorry, I have to throw that disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> not me. I'm still trying to get my friend to wear skinny. And that's so not, not yourself that's... or your friend. Edgy. No, Edgy. No, I mean, it's been a task, man. I'm trying to get him into his skinny. <laughs> that's what I'm you working You should just, on. you should just spike his drink, Edgy. I, today, yeah. Edgy, Edgy will let you slide today. I hope that he can wear those skinny so that you want to dress someone else next week. I today want to dress Isabel dos Santos, who's the oldest daughter of the Angolan president. Uh, I want to dress her for three reasons. It's a business decision today. She started her first business, the Miami Beach Club, at 24, okay? She owns 25% of Unitel, which is Angola's largest mobile phone network, 7% of oil, and 19% of Angola's fourth largest bank, Banco BPI. She was just because put, put on Forbes as uh, she's worth literally a net worth at 3.4 billion, which makes her the richest woman right. in Africa. And then obviously, like I said, it's a business decision. This is the show that dissects the business behind fashion. So, uh, Madame Dos Santos Isabel, yeah, it's me and you, baby, all the way. Otherwise, I, I want to thank you all for joining us on the show. Thank you for your contributions. Um, and thank you for our listeners who keep tuning in. I hope that you can actually keep tuning in and keep learning how to elevate yourselves through these conversations we have uh, to push the fashion industry forward. Um, have a lovely day. Join the butterfly revolution because we care about making sure we have a voice um, to fight against violence. Um, peace and love. We are on www.fashionlabafrica.com and we look forward to connecting next week. Peace. Fashion Lab on cliffcentral.com. Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com.